Hallelujah. Let us pray to that powerful name wherever you're joining us in the room here online. Father, the name Jesus Christ, there's no other name given on earth or in heaven that will live forever. The name Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our King. So we come to you, Father, to magnify that name, to glorify that name forever and ever. But also we come that we, your people, have read your word. We've sang about this, and Father, where there is sin in our lives, we just present it to you, the loving name of Jesus that forgives us. Father, there are so many needs in this room and the needs of those online. Come now, Lord Jesus, as we open your word, that we will hear from you, you will meet every need, because the name of Jesus is the only name that transforms and changes. In that name we pray. Amen? Amen. Please be seated. Yes, amen. Thank you. I want to start off by thanking you, church, here in person and those online, that even these times we've been going through, the church has been what the church does. You read the word, you pray for us. The church does this in times like this when there's difficulty, when there's pain, when there's hurt. The church goes to the one who is the head of the church, King Jesus. So thank you for your prayers and don't stop doing it. You not only pray, you not only witness, but you start to invite others that together we are pursuing what is the King of Kings that we just sang his name. No other name can replace that. So we want to thank you for knowing, acknowledging our difficult times, but acknowledging the one that is greater than what we are pursuing. Acknowledging the one that will bring transformation, revival, renewal, restoration, reconciliation. We want to acknowledge that. And the responsibility is on each one of us to be able to build his kingdom. So wherever you are on the spectrum of the challenging and the difficulties, you know, whether it's this past two weeks, this past two months, past two years, past 10, 12, 15 years, we are supposed to occupy and be about our father's business in the church. Grow the church and expand his kingdom. And we've been in this book in Colossians, which only by God, his grace has led us there. And we've been talking different uh, themes. And last week, our elder John Cotinus is the youngest guy who is an elder, but it's the responsibility he has. But he was able really to take us those two weeks in maturity and also freedom. Every time God gives us the word, he's preparing us for what is in front of us. So we can always, so we're very thankful for him. And the week before, uh, Pastor Rob was also there. So we are still continuing the book of Colossians today. And there's some responsibility that I think I have, but all of you in this room and online you have. That is, we've been putting up scriptures when you leave every time. I don't know if I have mine here, but those students, yeah, I have it. You get these cards. You know, some, a student just told me, parents, you're doing a great job. She said it's on the fridge, Rob. <laughs> you're doing a great job. She can know where the scripture verse is. So I want us now, if anybody can volunteer to be the first one to read from memory the first verse. Any takers? All right, we'll get there. So we talk about faith in Christ, and the verse there is in Colossians 1, 13 and 14 that we talk about. He rescued us. That is how we get faith to be in Jesus Christ. Then we talk about the gospel. You know, Jesus is making all things new, and that's the scripture we have to memorize. And the maturity in Christ. How do we go establishing Christ? Is by 
Him we proclaim, teaching and warning every man so that we may be mature in Christ. And then uh, we talked about freedom, you know, just our freedom. Uh, celebration weekend, Independence Day in America, we are talking about the freedom we have in Christ. And so those verses, and today we're going to be in Colossians uh, 3.1, alive in Christ. We want those scriptures, we read them, we hear them, we memorize them, we meditate them upon them. That's the only way our lives are going to be transformed. That is the only way we're going to be renewed. That's the only way our hurt, our pain is going to the word of God we apply to us. So we want to encourage you. You can pick up the, the card, so you can just take a picture of that, find it in your Bible, highlight it so that you can be reading it and hide it in your heart, and then we will not sin against the Lord. That word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. And that's what David said, and let's be like David. Starting in chapter 3, we're turning the corner where Paul is now taking us. He's been talking about Jesus Christ is all in all. He is number one. He is preeminent. He is first, the firstborn. Jesus Christ in chapters 1 and 2 where he makes it very clear that we have to be able to be grounded in Christ. And we chose this theme with our team of, of staff members and other uh, congregants, rooted in Christ. Because when you are rooted in Christ, that's what you will see in chapters 1 and 2, that I understand who this Jesus is. And so that's what Paul has been talking about in chapters 1 and 2. In chapter 3, we're now turning the corner where Paul is going to start to talk about, if this is what you believe about Jesus, this is the way you should behave. If this is what you are convinced as the truth in Jesus, this is what your conduct will be. So Paul is giving us practical steps that we can do. And I believe all of these are very relevant for Northland Church today. Because we are in Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We're like the church in Colossia. Now it's saying, okay, you believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know your doctrine. You know your theology. You get all of this. But this is how you live your life. So we'll be diving into that today in the next two chapters, three and four. What are these practical things for me, for our church, for your community, for students, for, for uh, students at every level? So that's what we'll be doing. So we'll be reading Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. If you are able and you can, please stand as I read God's word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You, need, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of, such, of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self 
with his practices. And I put on the new self, which has been renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Where there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythians, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a wrong a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all, these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one, of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with, great, with, great, with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, here's your word. We bless you for giving this to us. And now each one of us in these rooms, may you speak to us as we hear these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So the main thing we want to talk about today is the goal of the Christian life is to be alive in Jesus, engaging people to be fully alive in Jesus. Some of you have your t-shirts, you wear that. The goal of the Christian life is to be alive in Jesus. And we're going to see how Paul talks about that. But then you have the question, if the goal is to live alive in Jesus, how do I do that? How in this world that I live today with so many other things getting my attention, how do I live a life that is fully alive in Jesus? So we're going to try to answer that in the following ways. We're going to talk about how do I live the resurrected life? What are the things to, read, to get rid of in my, in my Christian life? Thirdly, what are the virtues for the Christian to put on? And then finally, the marks and methods to be alive in Jesus. So in answering that question, how do I live? We're going to go through this and what Paul is teaching us here in this text and see how it comes out to us and what are the practical ways we hear these. And I just pray as we go through this, they are very deep and strong and heavy adult language, but it's in the scripture, so I cannot ignore it. But as we hear those, let the Holy Spirit just take it into each one of our hearts. Say, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. Oh, Lord, I need that. And God is going to be able to use that in our lives. So let's dive into these things. And the first thing Paul does in verses 1 to 4, how do I live the resurrected life? And Paul says, in order for you to live the resurrected life, the first thing you have to do is set your heart and mind on Christ. And Paul gives that in verses 1 and 2. Since then, therefore, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts and minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, Paul is giving the image here. He said, look, the resurrection is the power of every believer to be anchored on. Every other religion follow people who die, they're buried, they never rose again. 
Only in Christianity we have Jesus Christ our King. He died, he was buried, he rose again. He's alive here in this room and everywhere you are. So he said, if that is what you belong to, always be thinking about, I need to live alive in Christ. My mind should be focused on heaven, but I also live on earth. So if I know Christ is the heavenly one I am focusing on, that's where I'm going to spend eternity. But for now, I'm here. So I should be consumed with my mind, my heart and mindset in Christ. A heavenly view of living every day. That when you wake up, that's all you'll be thinking about. I belong to a heavenly father, but I'm on planet earth for right now. He said also, your life is hidden in Christ, verse 3. Now, this is a mystery. If your life is hid, you hide your life in Christ, Christ consumes your life, and I say it's a mystery, I'm not going to try to explain it. But that's what happens when that moment came, when I knew I was a sinner, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. My life has been engulfed with him. It's a mystery that I will live in every day. I just accept it, and that's what gives me power. So hide your life in Christ. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What an assurance, what a confidence to have as a believer that wherever I am on planet and wherever I listen to God's word, I belong to Jesus. He's hiding me in the cleft of his hands. The solid rock, the rock that I stand up, the rock of ages that never changes. And thirdly, Paul says here, live for the glory of Christ in verse 4. That is the greatest expectation when Christ who is your life right here appears, then Christ is going to come someday. We don't know when. I can't give you date and time. We also appear with him in glory. If I am looking for the resurrection, I'm looking for the appearance of Jesus, I live every day as if he's coming. So live with that expectation that Jesus is going to come. So Paul is also assuring us with a doctrine first before he starts to get to some of the other things that he wants to. So this section, the next section we're talking about, we set our minds, our hearts on Christ, we have our assurance in Christ that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, but I'm living my life in Jesus Christ. So Paul said the rest of the stuff I'm talking about is for you Christians. It's for Northland Church. 530, 522, Dr. Road, and wherever you are online. This is how you live your life. Now, you may say this is just for believers, yes, but it can also spoil you. It's that thinking. I have that stuff. If I am a Christian, Jesus is going to help me. So if you have not trusted Jesus Christ, continue to listen to him. Continue to know that he loves you. You can trust him, receive him, and put your faith in him. And these things we're going to look at, if you start to struggle with it, Jesus Christ is the only one. So before I read those verses in Colossians 3 to 5, I'll tell you a story about how some people go out and catch a monkey in some places in Asia or in Africa. So they know that the monkeys are destroying their crops and everything, and so the farmer is going to set a trap in the trees. And what they do is that they do monkeys like peanuts or fruit, bananas, and things like that. So they're going to get this thing they put together. It could be a little sack or it could be a gourd. They put nuts inside. They put banana inside, and then they put a trail all over where they know the monkey is going to be. And so the monkey will start looking, hmm, start picking up, 
chewing, going and thinking, I really like it. And they'll get to this place, they see this sack or this gourd, and they put their hand inside because they want to get all the peanuts out and eat it. And so their hand is in this peanut, and they can't let go, and they start yelling, you know. The hunter is somewhere listening, and this monkey, if he lets go, he'll be free. But because his vices, uh, his desires, his longings are to get away with this, he stays there until the hunter comes and takes that monkey down. He'll kill him. So what we're seeing in the next passage of scripture here we're going to look at, what are the things to get rid of in the Christian life? What are the things that I need to put off? So we're going to look at these in the things that we, Paul is saying, things to get rid of in the Christian life, the things in, that we kill in our own life. If you don't kill it, it's going to kill you. So you better take care of it. Now, some of these are really tough adult language. I know we have students here who are going to camp. They will be telling you about them later. But I, as I was thinking, as I was interacting with them, I still remember when I did youth work, Pastor Rob. So I have invited, I was in West Africa, I had invited a, a youth worker from Seattle to come and speak at a, a Christmas camp. No, July camp, July camp. And so he was speaking, and the topic that night was about sex. And we had a babysitter with a six-year-old, but this babysitter is a young adult, a teenager, wanted to listen to the speaking. So she brought my daughter into the room in the back to, to hear whatever Chris Clark was saying. And Chris just gave this student this youth talk about everything about your body and sex. And my six-year-old, it was question and answer time. And my six-year-old said, what is sex? <laughs> Uh, my wife and I, we just passed out. And the speaker was so smart. And I said, well, your parents are in the room. Maybe they will explain that to you. <laughs> now I can, I'm also at that camp. One of the young men told me about 20 some years later, he said, I received Christ as my savior at that camp. Because I was so much consumed with what my daughter was doing. I forgot that. He's a pastor back home now. He trusted Jesus at that camp. But let's see the things that Paul says, that these are our old things that we're part of. I'm just going to list them with a brief commentary and move on. You could read it clearly in the scriptures there. And starting from verse 5, Paul says the things you've got to put away, you've got to kill, get rid of, mortify. Some of you read King James. He said the first one is sexual sins. And Paul says sex is not wrong, it's just the sin you commit with it. He said put this off out of your life. And that means sex should only be between a man and a woman who are married. And he said, a man who is not married is having sex is fornication. A man and woman who are married and having sex, that's called adultery. Paul says, stop it. It's sin. Stop doing it. But also, the Bible says it in Leviticus 18 and Romans 1. If a man and a man have sex, it is sin. God condemns that. If a woman and a woman have sex, it is sin. So those desires is what Paul is talking about. It says, stop it. It's a get rid of that in your life. Next, he says impurity. And what Paul is talking about here in impurity is that the, the moral intent and the practices that somebody would just want to satisfy that good desire that God has given, the passion that God has given, you want to use it the wrong way, Paul said, put that off. Get rid of impurity of those desires that will contaminate. It will mess up your life. That's, it's from this word, impurity, we get the word porno, pornography. You know, those people want to see something they can't get, but they want it. And these days, the devices and everything we get, you can just get it everywhere. 
You know, whether it's you know, a smartphone, dead phone, whatever kind of phone you have, you, you can search for that. You are hiding. You're, you're in a closet. You're doing that. But Jesus loves these things that were in the church. They get rid of this. Lost. Uncontrollable, uncontrollable sexual desires that are wrong. The urges that cause you to say, I want to satisfy this in the wrong way. He said, those lusts, get rid of it. Evil desires. The things that are forbidden, when you start to pursue them, that is also sin. And he said, get rid of that. Evil desire to gratify, to please your, yourself. Some people may not, in this context we are talking here, it's, it's directly talking about sexual sins. And he says, in this context, your fleshly desire, whatever way you disobey God in that, stop it. And he said, greed, covetousness. Whether you see it on a TV, whether you see it in an advertisement, on a newspaper, you're so selfish, you want to get it for yourself. Paul says, get rid of that. Because Paul is saying this, we see in the next scripture, why is he saying the church at Colossae, which is the same as the church in the 21st century, the church at 530 Dog Road, it says, you guys, if you are doing this thing that is wrong, there's something to come. Because, uh, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. God will always punish a sin that we don't repent of, that we don't ask for forgiveness, and we don't turn away from. He says God's punishment will come to them. So he's encouraging them to stop all of that. And he says, so beware, be warned. God has spoken, we can desire to obey it, and he will help us do that. So this is how Paul is saying this to the church now. But he said, you know, I just wish it's over. Paul says it's not over yet. But he goes on to give us some more. So what are the other things that you really need to be looking? This is a classic Paul language in verse 8. But now, but now, verse 7, you used to be like this. That was your old life when you didn't trust Jesus. This is now your, your new life you live. But now, you must read of the other one. These are what we will call social sins. Other things that we do. Some people will know it, but nobody will not know it, but it's there. Let's list these as we go on. Number one, two categories. The, the first category, those we internalize. You can have that right in the service online, or I can have it here. You can see it. And it says in verse 8, it says, um, but, you, but you get rid of all these things, anger. You know, anger, you're soothing into something, you're feeling it, you just want to bite somebody. You know, you're just feeling anger, rage, and malice. Those are the ones he's talking about. These are the ones we internalize. You just have to be a parent. You know, quickly, your children can know when you're angry, when you're enraged, they can see it. You don't have to tell it because you're internalizing it. And you can see it if I have it too. You know, that it's inside of me. We internalize that, but Paul said that's not the only one. But he says there are other ones that are the one you verbalize. You just lose your cool. And what are those? Slander. You start to tell people things that will not edify them, will not glorify God. You start filthy language. You are cussing or you're saying all bad words. And he said, and lying. So he said you can internalize some things, but it takes quickly to blow out. And you will start to see it. So Paul makes it very clear that this is the way you used to be, but now your life should be with this. So these are part, all are part of our old humanity before we come to Christ. Those things are there. You and I, in our families, in our business, in our friends, we know and ourselves, we get caught up in these things. You know, with the ones we internalize and the ones we just 
blow up and show it. And so, well, I was feeling that way. I can say, well, in some context, that would be sin. But Paul says, how do you get to overcome this? How do you get to really say, okay, I acknowledge these. I want us to be thinking about these things because in closing, we're going to really pray for each one of us, myself, and say, yeah, these things I need to get rid of. We're going to spend time to pray about that for ourselves. Maybe we have expressed it to people. But this is where Paul turns the corner. He says in the next verse, he said, you put this on, verse 10, you have put on the, the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So he says, now that you are in Christ who created you, Paul is taking us back to what the Bible is all about. God created creation. That's the theme of the Bible. Creation, the fall, restoration, and renewal. Paul says, let's go back to what God has said. You can be a new creature. Some of us who lived in that way of life, until we came to Christ, we were just that old. That's in the, in the old self. That's why when we come to Christ, when we're still doing that, he helps us. Paul says, remember, you as a man and a woman, you are made in the image of God, your creator. I love that. And he says, so remember that. And then the second thing he says, you now belong to a new community in verse 11. It says there's no Gentile or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Paul is telling us here there's no class distinction when you come to Jesus Christ. He said because in this context, in the church at, at Colossae, some of these people will say, well, we are the Greeks. We are the ones that are very knowledgeable. We know everything. We've studied. We know the science. We know the, the facts. We know everything. So the Greeks were proud of their knowledge. But also the Jews were saying, well, we are very religious. We are really obeying the laws in the scripture. And the other ones will say, well, they looked down on the barbarian and the skeevan. That was a cultural thing, that these people, they were lesser people they were looking. Paul is saying, in Christ, there's no distinction. I don't know what's been your own experience to see, you know, the country we come from, you know, we speak like uh, there are about 16 different languages and all of those. Our tribes are very, very different. You can't even intermarry. You know, next week we're talking about the family. I'll show you how my own family has just intermarried all over the place. You know, but when they all come to Christ, that is what makes the difference. So Paul said, no distinction here. You are one in Christ, whether you are a slave or you are free. Because it was a social issue at those day, in those days to have slaves in their homes and things like that. Paul said, it doesn't matter if this person is a slave, this person is a barbarian, this person is a Jew, we are one in Christ. That's what makes the church. That is the beauty to belong to the church. We've seen that in our tribes when we come to Christ, he breaks down those barriers. So Paul is showing us these things that we need to be very, very careful. So we now need to see that. Paul is saying all these things. You get depressed and say, oh my goodness, you know, Christ is all in all, but I have all these things you just talked about in the other verses. Well, it gets better. Paul is now saying, we have the beautiful robes you can put on. Now he said, these are the beautiful things you get that is fitting. You know, like all of you did your Sunday best today. He said, this is the beautiful robe you should put on as a Christian. Let's talk a little bit about those. And he lists them starting from verse 12. 
And these are the things that we can put on as Christ, and I pray that for us, for our church. Even going through difficult times like these, these are the things that can help solve our problems, our differences. Number one, he says compassion. Compassion is that you want to have a, a, a feeling of pain from others, and you do something about it. I said, please be a compassionate person. Northland, brothers and sisters, can we just look to Christ to show us compassion and kindness? The second one is kindness, feeling for others. We feel different about something, but in kindness we saw when we were doing our David, how David showed kindness to the household of Mephibosheth. Show kindness. The third one is a real difficult one because we can fake that sometimes, humility. He says, try to be humble. That means don't put your status, just like he had said in the verses earlier in verse 11. Don't put your status that I belong to this, I am this. Philippians chapter 2 tells us clearly that modesty in our position, in our wealth, whatever, should be seen in Christ. You read Philippians chapter 2, you see what it says about uh, humility, being like Christ. Next, it talks about gentleness. Gentleness is the opposite of rebellion and violence or just being like a gangster. He said, no, be gentle. Some things are hard to accept from others, but be soft and gentle in Christ. And then the one that is very hard for us as a church, as a family, as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, he said, you put on patience. Patience is that for, 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 for the time I need to wait on something that God is forming in our congregation in my life. So these are the good things that he's telling us. You can put these on. As you put these off, you can put these on in your Christian life. But you may tell me, I will tell you that, oh, I, I got this already. I got all those uh, five things you're talking about. But Paul is saying, show me. Let me see. What's the evidence of these things that you say you put a beautiful robe on? Show me, what's the evidence? And there are three things he says is the evidence of that. The first one is forbearance. Can you just put up with me a little bit? Can you just tolerate me a little bit? You know, forbearance is there in the scriptures. It say, can you just forbear with one another? And he says, if you've wronged me or I have wronged you, you don't have to wave the flag out there. So, oh, sinner, sinner, sinner. He said, forgive. We sang that in the song earlier. This forgiveness that only Christ, if Christ forgave all those who wronged him, remember the guy Peter? Right in the presence of Jesus, I don't know the guy you're talking about. Or you know he committed the sin and cut the ear of that guy. Or the woman caught in adultery brought to Jesus. Jesus shows forgiveness. The thief on the cross receive forgiveness from Jesus. Those are the ways we demonstrate these things we put on. And he says in verse 14, above all, put on love, which binds everything, the glue that holds it together. So those are the ways we can be able to demonstrate, to show the evidence that, hey, I belong to, to Jesus Christ. I have all these values. But Paul doesn't end there. He said there are ways that you have to express this. And that's the reason we're here. What are the ways we expect the marks and methods to be alive in Christ? And he says to be alive in Christ, the marks and the ways you can be, be peaceful and thankful. Peace is not that everything is nicey-nicey, hunky-dory, Pollyanna. No, 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 no. Peace is that there's turmoil around us. Things are not going well. 
But he said you can trust in that calm assurance that the grace of God, he's in control. You and I, we face difficult times in church these days. We ask the questions, why are people, who's coming all of this? If it's difficult, the peace and assurance we have will be trusting that Jesus Christ is going to build his church and we'll be thankful, which is the other way you express. Give thanks. Don't just spend the time to tell us we've done the wrong, this is evil, but tell us what's the peace, assurance, and thankful. But I like the second one. And he said, let the message of Christ dwell in you. That means the message of Christ is at home in your life. The Bible, the gospel, the goodness of Christ, that's what we should be proclaiming. And Paul is saying, you be people who are teaching and explaining and be in groups, in Bible studies, in small groups, in discipleship groups. That's the message that makes your life rich and full. And then finally, what we're experiencing today, he says, by your worship experience, he says you do this through with wisdom through Psalms. That was the Old Testament they were reading. Hymns that they have composed about their experience and spiritual songs that come when people really get moved by the Spirit, whether they are singing the song Rock of Ages or Waymaker. That is the Spirit that moves some people to say, this is my expression. That is why you listen to good Christian radio stations that can inspire you or your playlist or whatever you have that you are really knowing that these songs edify me. I am, I am on the ultimate and somebody is driving me wrongly. Edify yourself by listening to psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So those are the evidences we show. We saw what we get rid of and what we have to put on. Because we as believers, we have to be very clear that people know us for Jesus. So I tell you the story about Alexander the Great from Macedonia. He was a great warrior. He conquered the known world at that time. But he was so much in command. He showed up one day at various versions of the story. One of our staff members, Katie, uh, helped me put this together in the research. Everybody tells it different. But a soldier was brought in front of Alexander the Great. He must have been a 10-star general. And this guy had committed crime. You sleep on a job as a soldier. Mike, I don't think he was a Marine. I don't really think it was. It must have just been a private or whatever, Navy, you know, Army or whatever you are. But this guy was brought to Alexandria, said the crime you have committed, the penalty for it is death. And Alexander said, what is your name? <laughs> so, so my name is Alex. What is your name? Tell me your name. And this private, private soldier guy said, sir, my name is Alexander. He's saying that to the general. That's his real name, and this is his real name. And he said to him, either you change your conduct or you change your name. If you and I belong to Jesus, let us learn to change our conduct. Let's put on Christ. Let's leave these things of compassion and things like that. That is the only way the world is going to know that I really belong to Jesus. If I put on Christ, I know all the Bible studies I do, all the scripture memory I do. If I am not going to put on Christ and demonstrate it to others by my character and my conduct, then it's a bad business. And the last verse we read in the beginning, Michelle read this for us in the beginning, verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. So that's how we get rooted to be alive. If we're going to be alive in Jesus and rooted in him, we have to say in word or deed, in action or behavior, 
I am glorifying Christ. So we looked at how do I live this life to be fully alive in Christ? Live in the power of the resurrected life. Get rid of things that are not. He said, put off and put on the things that are there, the vices and the virtues that you can put on. And show by the marks of Jesus that whatever I do, I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just want to privately and personally respond. We're going to come back to a time. I just want us to pray for ourselves, pray for myself, and say all of these things are part of Gus Davis, part of whatever your name, but I'm going to trust Jesus that I can read of this. Or you want to help somebody, you want to be somebody, say these things are there. Whether it's your sexual sins or your social things. So why don't we just take some time, private and personal, we reflect upon these and pray and invite the spirit power. Whether it's confession, whether it's repentance, whether it's renewal, whether it's reawakening. God has promised he will hear your prayer. Let's just take a moment to pray. Let us pray. Jesus upon the promise in your holy scriptures that if we confess our sins you are faithful and to forgive us our sins from all unrighteousness either one of these social or sexual sins forgive us Lord Father is there somewhere someone under the sound of my voice does not even belong to Jesus is struggling with this may they know that you love them you died for them and you rose alive, and Father, they can come and believe in you. So Lord, we ask that you let those people pray that prayer of trusting Jesus and walking with him. And for us believers, we claim the victory that is in the name of Jesus that we can do these things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.